Yeah. <laughs> my, my little bars aren't going up and down, but if you can hear me. I see your bars going up and down. Wait a minute. Why does. Do you? Maybe yeah, I don't. Your bars see my are going bars. up and down for me. All right. Okay. This is the great, great blooper wheel. Blooper wheel. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Silence on set. Thank you and welcome to SAS Showdown. Thank you for joining us again. My name is Colin McCarthy. And I'm Rose Layton. And thank you for joining us today. I hope everybody got a chance to listen to us talk about the history of SAS and a little overview of SAS Ops. Um, yeah, they, they were, were some... <laughs> I, I was going to say that was uh, they, they were a great introduction. Yeah, I think it was a it was a good overview, a good way to to frame up what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, us discussing our first usage of SAS and what SAS Ops is uh, made me think: How would we go about choosing the right SAS application for our business? Well, Colin, I literally wrote the book on that. You did? That's amazing. <laughs> what a coincidence. A, a striking coincidence indeed. Excellent. Um, do, do tell me more. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously we're jumping ahead quite a bit here, um, you know, from the very first early days of SAS when you basically only had a couple of options. But today you have, you know, in some of the, the different market niches, you have dozens of different options for a single use case. Um, and so it's a, it's a topic that often comes up in our community, in our professional community and um, on my team in general. And, you know, after having one of those conversations with, I think, you know, even you were there, um, I started to think about, you know, like what kind of framework can we build around educating others about how to find SaaS tools properly because everybody I think at some point will be looking for a SaaS tool, right? Whether it's for themselves or for their team or, you know, even in some cases for their entire organization. And while soliciting the feedback of others is Mm -hmm. good, like that is one of the components I think of looking for SaaS tools. It is definitely not the end all be all of how to find the right tool for the job. And you can end up with some really bad fitting tools if all you do is rely on, um, you know, the experience of one or two people in your circle. Right. Yes. Yeah. And there's always, you know, the terrible choice of, uh, or the terrible uh, consequence of committing yourself to a financial agreement with with the wrong application, or or choosing an application that looks initially good but then has problems later on that that you might uh, might not have thought of. So it does sound very wise to to utilize the skills and the experience of of other people who have already gone through that. So where would where would one start? What are the the first things to think about and consider when choosing a SaaS application for your company? Yeah. So I think the very first step, and I I try to get people, a lot of people want to dive right into the research, right? They want to dive right into like, what are all these tools out there? Like, what are, um, you know, the different things we can do? Like, I haven't even imagined everything that's possible. And like, that might be true. But um, I think the very first thing to do before you start is you need to figure out what it is that you need, right? What is the gap 
in the list of tools that you are aware of already. Um, you know, like what is the problem that you are trying to solve? Because I think without that, you're not going to be able to guide your search very well. So that's mm-hmm. the number one thing, right? Um, so like, for example, I think today I was talking to somebody about, you know, they were asking for maybe an alternative video platform or an alternative alternative audio platform. We assume in our organization. Um, but they were asking for like public webinars that they were going to do like a remote interview mm-hmm. with someone. They said that the audio quality and the video quality in Zoom is not very good. And I was like, well, <laughs> let's talk about that, right? Because like, if that's the gap that you're identifying is that the video and mm-hmm. audio quality isn't up to your standard, is a new tool going to solve that job? Maybe, right? But Zoom is best in class. It's best in breed for a reason. And more likely, the reason you're experiencing that gap is because of a hardware issue between you and the interviewee. And can we solve that hardware issue in a managed, sustainable, scalable way? Yes, we can. And so, you know, like we want to explore doing those things instead of just buying another tool, potentially getting locked into an annual two-year, three-year agreement, right? when ultimately like that's not the underlying problem. And so you definitely want to think about what those gaps are and really examine like, is software going to solve that gap? Right. Or is that, what is the cause of that gap? Okay. Yeah. So in that example, it was, it was really diving down into, into what the perceived issue was. So mm-hmm. obviously in that example, especially because what, we already have a tool that does yeah, this, right? In that it's example, that it wasn't enough. Yeah, the poor audio and, and video was, it isn't a problem with the application per se. It's the quality of the video camera or if somebody's using, you know, a $10 microphone as opposed to a $200 microphone for the, yeah. for the, for the audio quality. So, yeah. all right, that's so, so creating a good benchmark of what you're actually trying to solve with the product, yeah. what it's, what it needs to be able to, to fix or, or provide features for. Yeah. Um, and then, so after that, after you kind of have some idea of what it is specifically that you're looking for, um, and then uh, we move on to the stage that I call Googling 101, um, which is like, let's figure out who is out there, like who all is in this field. Um, and sometimes this part can take a while, depending on what you're working on, because you'll start to figure out what the name is for the specific task you're trying to do, right? So like content management and marketing content management are slightly different niches, but those search terms will give you different results. And so like in I, in the IT world, right, we have NDM, we have RMM, we mm-hmm. have... Um, Endpoint management. What is the? I don't even know what the acronym is for that one. Well, there's um, there's, there's unified endpoint management, which I've seen. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot go. of a lot of mobile device management MDM platforms are, are rebranding themselves as being unified because they do more than just mobile. Right. So I consider UEM, RMM, and MDM to be all kinds. They're all sort of the same thing. Mm-hmm. And there are MDM platforms that I would consider more UEM. There's RMM platforms that I would consider more MDM. Like, so um, that's like that's a very IT specific example, right? But there's that's true for everything. 
Right. So yeah. there's different kinds of content management. There's different kinds of like event marketing. Marketing tech is like a whole subset of this stuff. But like in finance, there's that kind of thing too. And, and in SaaS ops, there is too, right? We talk right. about yeah. SaaS spend management tools. We talk about SaaS operations management. We talk about, um, you know, SaaS automation, SaaS integrations, like, those are different niches and will give you different responses <laughs> when you start Googling. Yeah, I've I've been actually very surprised with searching for something like SaaS or SaaS applications. I get uh, sponsored paid for links that are actually applications that I wouldn't really consider SaaS or certainly to do something like SaaS management, which I've I've searched for. You see results come up which are, are paid for ads, which you know somebody might click on and and start to follow down that road, but not realize that it's a, a bit of a a, a red herring, a, a a false direction in your in your research. Yeah. And the other thing I the other mistake I think people make when Googling is um, they get too reliant on the review sites. Right, your trust radius, your G two, your Gartner, your you know all of those that will list every possible app in a category, mm-hmm. um, whether that category is broad or specific, right? And then those quadrants, <laughs> those quadrants that people use to determine, you know, like what the best is, right? Yeah. Um, I'd like to address the Gartner quadrant in particular because they have two axes. Well, hang on, on a second. Hang on a second. Do I do I, do I need to roll out the uh, the Sessop showdown uh, soapbox for you to stand on? <laughs> yeah, you might want to for this one. Okay, please, listeners, please stand by for uh, for a a, a soap, soapbox rent by Rose Layton. <laughs> so, in the Gartner Magic Quadrant. You have two axes. One is market presence and one is user satisfaction. Okay. So you go from market presence, small to large, like how many customers do they have? And then you go to how satisfied are those customers? That's Mm -hmm. all the Gardner Magic Quadrant is. And when they present it in marketing materials, it makes it seem like things that are in that upper right corner are better. They're bigger and their users are satisfied. That is not mean that that tool is the right tool for you. (sighs) Right. Because you could, you could choose a small company that had happy users and you Mm -hmm. would, you you could choose a small company that had happy users. If you've got a good risk tolerance, if you needed something that was super like niche, but like there was only one company that was offering it and they didn't have great user satisfaction. Well, guess what? You're going with those guys. You know, like, so uh, those quadrants, you got to be very careful with them. They will, they will help you because they list a bunch of different options in a particular market niche. But okay. That's, that's that's great. Okay. (laughs) Do do, do you need help getting off the soapbox or are you okay? No, no, I got it. I got it. I'm going to put it away. (laughs) All right. Let's carry on. What else, what else do we need to think about with choosing a SaaS application? So after you have your basic list, you know, of four, 10, 12, 14, whatever, however many apps, um, you want to number one, go to their websites, make sure that they seem like they're in the right ballpark. 
for solving your problem. And then you need to try to get your hands on a demo of the product. Mm. My preference is to have an unled demo. Sassop's cat is behind me, sorry. Yes. <laughs> she had a hard day. She went to the vet. Um, my preference is to to have like self-led demos. I prefer it when sites allow me free trials and they allow me to have live demos when I get to click around in the product. Because right. I have often found whenever I'm watching a demo that I will ooh and ah when somebody else is doing it because they know the product and they know right. where to take you. But then when I get in the product myself, I can get a little lost. Okay. Right. So and I can be would... like, this doesn't seem as usable as I thought it was. Right. So if you were going to buy a new car, you wouldn't go to the car dealer and get the the, the, showroom, the, the showroom manager to drive you around town. And you say, oh, right. yeah, that, that was a comfortable ride. Yeah. I'd buy that car. You don't you want sit to, in the you passenger want to jump seat in the and car. let them drive. You want, to, you want to be driving that car and you want them to explain what all the buttons do as you're careering off of mm-hmm. over the, the, the central reservation <laughs> into a ravine. I mean, sure. If that's going to be how you're going to test drive, then yes. But yeah, so I mean, you're exactly right. Like, you know, it's it's different when you're driving it. Like you can feel it. You can kind of, you'll notice things that are different than if you were just sitting in a passenger seat watching somebody else do it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, okay. you'll notice that the, the steering wheel is a little bit hard or easy to turn. You'll notice that the shift is a little bit tough or you'll notice that... You, uh, the mirror doesn't quite line up the way you need it to, or that back window is an odd shape or whatever, you know? So the same is true for SAS tools. Like if you can get your hands on a live demo, sometimes you have to do the demo and then the proof of concept, mm-hmm. um, and get like your, a, a real, you know, POC instance to play around in, um, in order to get that far. But, uh, it's so much better. <laughs> It's so much better when companies offer live demos yep. on demand. Yep. I really wish more of them did it. But. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Good to know. So after you've, after you've done, done the demo um, and you, you've driven it around the block, um, the, what, what's the next thing to, to look for? Let, let's carry on with this car analogy that somehow we've, we've adopted. <laughs> I'm guessing you would look under the hood. You, you wouldn't just be okay with the, with the shiny, the shiny, you know, freshly cleaned exterior. You're going to lift up the bonnet or the hood if you're in the UK. Uh, oh no, hood, it's the hood here and it's the bonnet in the yes, UK. Yes, the hood in America, I forget, Colin. I forget my, being, being, being bilingual, um, I, I, forget, I forget which what the terminology is. So what are, what are some of the technical aspects that we should be looking for? Yeah, I mean, so obviously this will depend on your technical proficiency. As you mentioned, like on the car analogy, if you're going to look under the hood is your next step. Well, if I look under a hood, I don't know shit about cars and so i'm not gonna see anything under the hood also if you notice they cover them now with these like plastic yeah Yeah, it's it like it's it makes it look really nice and sleek and pretty and sure but um it doesn't help you see anything that's going on in the engine um but yeah but so so you're you're gonna want to look at specs obviously like that's the one of the big things right so like 
um, things like pricing, uh, feature lists for those pricing. Um, you'll want to look at the basically the key areas of SaaS ops are the same things you really kind of want to look at, right? Like um, discover, manage, secure. Like, is it is it good I, on the discovery piece? I just put like how easy it is to get your data in, right? Mm-hmm. How easy it is to connect your other data. Um, manage, you know, like how easy easy is it to do the task you were meant to do? Um, how easy is it to manage the users in that particular app? Um, you know, like connected to your single sign-on systems, like that's really where like some of the usability features and things come in. And then secure is going to be all about like um, security features, reporting, right. compliance, um, data retention policies. Um, so I heard you mention yeah. single sign-on. I, I'm assuming that is going to be a requirement. I mean, it is for me. Uh, it is, is it not for, for me, you, Colin. Yes, yes, yeah. We know it is. We know it is. But let's 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 delve into a single yeah. sign-on. Um, I mean, let's talk about it. So there's there's different forms of single sign-on. You and I go back and forth about this because I don't mind if I have OAuth, mm-hmm. right? I don't mind having OAuth with Google, but you prefer SAML. I do prefer SAML. I do like SAML. Why do you prefer SAML? Um, better logs in the Google admin panel um, <laughs> for it. Um, it's easier to manage, I find, um, as, a, as an application uh, for deployment. Um, I, I don't know. I just, for, for whatever reason. But yeah, sing, single sign-on. Any application you get, uh, SaaS-based application you get, should be able to use your current identity provider, whether it's Okta, G Suite, uh, Office 365, or, or any other, you know, SAML-based mm-hmm. provider, um, to be able to authenticate your users through that. Um, now, there is that horrible thing referred to as SSO tax. So and one yeah. of the things you mentioned was thinking about price. Um, is yeah. is that is that a thing to be aware of when looking for a SaaS-based application? Being aware, I mean, and- absolutely, it is. I mean, it's and and it is something to think about early on, right? So when you have that first list from your googling and your professional networking, right? you have your giant list of all the possibilities and you start trying to whittle them down. I would consider pricing and pricing for key items like SSO to be like early deal breakers. Right. Um, And so when I'm doing something like a, like a full app evaluation, I will like mark down, you know, like requires enterprise for SSO or, you know, something like that. Um, and something like with domain capture as well, whether it could, if whether app could capture any accounts that are trying to be created on that platform mm-hmm. with, with a domain name that you have already said, hang on Especially a minute. Especially if it's I, like I a really common one, right? Yeah. You want that in your, your Trellos, your boxes, your Dropboxes, your Zooms. You want Slack. that domain capture ability, things that people could reasonably sign up for and are likely to sign up for. Mm-hmm. Like domain capture is not optional. 
you need it. Right. Um, okay. So I, I'm going to I'm going to try and this won't make any sense to the to the to the listeners, but I'm I'm going to keep count on my on my fingers here for the key things that we need. So single sign on and domain capture. Okay. Okay. Carrying on looking under the hood. Um, what else are the things that we we need to be aware of when choosing a new SaaS application? Honestly, okay. So once I go from like the basics, SSO pricing, domain capture, um, the next thing I'm looking for is usability, right? Every application on my list should be able to meet the problem that I'm trying to solve. So like, that's clearly the first thing you look at. Like, does this meet the problem I'm trying to solve? The answer is no, don't continue. Just, you know, kick them off the list. It's fine. Um, Promise their feelings won't be hurt. There's plenty of people out there. Um, But so, so then if it meets your criteria, let's look at some basic stuff, pricing, SSO. And then next I would look at usability because the most expensive thing about a SaaS product is the implementation. And the longer it takes to implement, the longer it takes you to get ROI. Yes, because if 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 the if if the application is terrible, it, it might do what you want it to do. But if your users don't want to use it because its right. implementation or is terrible, they're not going to use it. Time to learn how to use it and implement it. You know, like I run and scream whenever I see an application that's like, "Yeah, we'll use professional services and we'll have an implementation period of six six to nine weeks." And I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> 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 if I can't implement this myself in like a month of like half time work, then mm-hmm. it probably doesn't belong in my organization. Why? Because right. I'm not going to be here forever. <laughs> right. Somebody else is going to have to manage this baby. Okay. Excellent. So we've got ease of implementation, domain capture, mm-hmm. single sign on. Yep. Excellent. How about connecting it into another program? Oh yeah, integrations. Yeah, that's a ne- yeah. that's a good one for the next one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because the, the um, last thing you want is an application that's going to be isolated and and have no interconnectivity with others. What sort of things we should be looking for to to make that happen? The stuff that's in your technology stack. I don't care if an, an application has sixty integrations. If none of those are the ones that I need in my life then it's not worth using. But um, to your point, Colin, like if an application doesn't have any integrations or it has a very small number of integrations, that calls out to me that they have limitations on their API. API? What's that? Or they may not have an API. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, API stands for Application Programming Interface, if I recall correctly. Yep. Um, And it's basically a, a set of URLs that you can use to make changes in an application, specifically a SaaS application. But yeah. Um, I think that's the, the the closest, smallest summary I can make. Um, yes, yeah. It's, APIs uh, it's, are the things that connect Slack to Google, right? They're the things that connect Google Drive to any of the Chrome your, extensions that they use. 
literally any of them, right? It's, yes. it's what connects Zoom to my calendar. It's what, you know, so anytime like you're dealing with something and it asks you to like authorize, chances yep. are there's an API transaction happening there. There's a token being passed. There's an API transaction. Okay, um, and APIs are how automation works and it's how IT, modern IT works. Um, and okay. an application without public APIs is... Right. So, so making sure the 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 application the SAS application that we choose has a good, well documented public API that if we need to and we've got the technical skills, we can make use of or we can use a professional services firm or another inter- integration partner to to make use of that to to further add functionality within our organization. Yeah. Okay, great. What what are the last couple of things that you can think of that uh, our listeners should be aware of when choosing a SaaS application? The one of the big things that I think people neglect often is um, admin roles. Yes, securing um, the application, how do you manage it? Admin roles, yeah, admin roles and logs, I think, are the two things that people um, neglect the most often. Um, There are more admin roles than just super admin and user. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, Right, like if you have a situation in an application where all of the admins could delete the entire instance, and the users can't do anything like it's a bit lopsided um and it's risky yeah. right i i have a team of 12 people we are not yeah. always all perfectly on the same page <laughs> yeah yeah i've i've got a team of i've got a team of 14 and and any it professional needs to be working on the on the principle of least privilege uh, mm-hmm. even with your closest best friends you, you should still be working on the on the principle of, of least privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a sensible way. And I've I've actually not chosen uh, a SaaS based application purely because it didn't have a good uh, any any admin roles. It was super admin on their on their platform or view, and it's like, well, that's not going to work. Come back to me when you fixed it, and eighteen months later, and they they still really haven't fixed it, and and, and I won't yeah. be a customer. Well, and there's some applications, to be fair, that like, there's not a lot to admin, right? You're adding or removing users, basically. Mm -hmm. And then, like, there's like a billing owner, right? And that person is separate. That's uh, billing is one of the biggest things that I think needs to be separate from regular admins. But like, there are some instances in which I would, you know, I would accept an application that basically doesn't have very robust admin roles and controls. But not very many. Right. Yes. Um, and that's just because like as my team expands, as our work expands, as people tend to like specialize a little bit, right? Um, or even as we empower the users in our organization to manage certain things on their own, um, you know, I don't want to be giving my head of facilities super admin access to my phone system right she doesn't need that no just to manage a couple of departments and like forward people's numbers when they're on maternity leave no she doesn't need that so you know like the ability to tailor her access 
to the pieces that she needs is very important. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's just one example, but there's plenty of other reasons why you would need to like give somebody partial access. Yes. Yeah. Even just to one little thing, right? Like it's really dumb. I think that you can't move files into drive, like shared drives in Google. Right. You have the shared drives admin role. Right. Yes. Yeah. I, the one thing I do like about, um, Google, um, workspace admin uh, as an example is the ability where you can you can create your own admin roles you can have quite quite defined ones and then you can give people those admin roles on a specific set of users based on the organizational unit and that is a a, a perfect very good implementation of privileged access management um and it it, 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 the model is there for other companies to follow. It's just a shame that uh, a lot of these new and emerging SaaS application companies, you know, don't, don't follow that model. Um, th- thinking, uh, you know, in, in our last few 10 ish minutes of our, of our chat today, what's look, looking ahead at the future? What else should people think about for when they're choosing? Uh, a SaaS-based application. I know there's one thing that I've always inquired about and looked for. Well, why don't you share with us, Colin? So that the is guess. the roadmap. Do they have, oh. do they have, does this SaaS application company, their development team have a roadmap? Do they have a public roadmap? Do they have a closed roadmap group that I can join? Basically, do, do they, they have any roadmap that you can? Do look they have at? any any roadmap? <laughs> you know, uh, do they have um, you know an idea site uh, uh, and the ability to to create feature suggestions? You know, vote them up or down. Which is there's a whole host of applicate SaaS based applications that will allow companies. <laughs> To, to post those sort of communities um, and, and, and gather that feedback f- about what people need. But yeah, uh, the roadmap, um, it's, a, it's a very important thing, I feel. So we've got, we, I think we had six things, didn't we? We had... Six things, yeah. SAML, domain capture, sort of like the same stuff. Uh, reporting. Usability, usability, implementation, implementation uh, APIs, uh, um, admin, um, admin roles. privileges, and roadmap. There's about six or seven things there that I've spread out. Yeah, those out. are some core things. And obviously, like Colin, you and I have um, a very IT-focused perspective mm-hmm. on what um, what's important in an app. But like the reason that I mentioned usability a lot when I'm talking about selecting a SaaS app is because that's the part that affects our users, I find. Um, And so if I don't enjoy using the software, neither are they. (laughs) So like, it better be a delight for me. Yes. Yeah. And if you do get one of those trials, you can, you know, grab a subsection of your users and ask them to look at the application, you know, play around with it, working it, work in it for a little bit, gain, gain their feedback, you know, what they like about it, what, what was the the good points, what wasn't going to work from them. Um, the one thing I've noticed in, in the, uh, the, the demo options for these SaaS based applications is, some will only give you like a seven day trial or a 14, 14 day trial. 
Um, I've noticed over the last 10 years being very much focused on the, on the SaaS industry is, you know, 10 years ago, you used to get, you know, it almost used to be like a one month trial, a 30 day trial of your applications. Now I see the default on the website is normally just like a seven day or a 14 day trial. Um, Mm -hmm. but I, I do think reaching out to, to those companies and speaking to, uh, a salesperson, a, a contact, and getting that uh, that uh, trial extended is is worth that that um, that conversation with them to to fully evaluate the application that you're going to choose. Um, I agree. I know there's I know, I know there's some hesitation and and uh, and problems sometimes seen with with calling out those uh, or speaking to a salesperson feeling like you're going to get a hard sell and, and then be, <laughs> then be, and then be stuck with constant inquiries, but it's, it's worthwhile yeah. if to, to have a proper full evaluation. I don't think you can have a full evaluation really without speaking to a salesperson. Um, you do need a live body to answer questions and to, um, you know, be able to listen to the problem you're trying to solve. Um, occasionally they will speak honestly about whether or not they can solve it for you. So, um, you know, and sometimes they'll even show you exactly how they would solve that problem. Um, Colin, in the last couple of minutes, I wanted to ask you maybe a bit of a contentious question, but I'm sure our listeners will enjoy it. What is your biggest pet peeve? from SaaS applications in, today. Oh, I thought you were going to give me the, the choice of what's the best pet peeve. Like when you're, pet peeve when you're looking world. to buy a SaaS application, <sighs> what is your biggest pet peeve? Um, I can tell you mine. Well, yeah. And I probably, I was, I think I might even choose yours before you say it so I can claim it as being mine. <laughs> um, pay, paying more for, for SAML, paying more for single sign-on um, is, is my annoyance. The other, the other annoyance that I really have, and, and I'll, I'll let you have that one. My biggest annoyance is not being able to easily export my data from, from the oh, application. I was going to strip one, it all the way back. You were going to go what? Transparent pricing. Oh, right. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I was, well. I'm going to take it all the way back. Like, I don't care. <laughs> the SAML, all of that. If they don't even have the pricing listed on the website. Right. It's, I, a, it's a non-starter. Like, I, I internally groan. I'm just like, I'll keep you off to the side in case one of these other people don't work out. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we've... Yeah, you and I have have discussed this before, and we've we've spoken to some vendors openly that do publish their site, do publish their pricing, and they are very mm-hmm. open about it. Um, there is a, a small growing number, I think, of more forward thinking SaaS applications that that do that, um, which is great. Uh, yeah, I, I am less likely to call somebody for pricing because because I there's so I, many I, places I, where I can just see it. Yeah, well, and, and yeah. this is this is what I tell companies because I've talked to a lot of companies who you know have questions about per, how we feel about their pricing or you know whatever. But you have to publish something. Just ballpark it. That's what mm-hmm. I want to see it for. I'm not doing like an exact ROI calculation based on the price on your website. 
I am looking to see roughly how much it costs. Mm -hmm. And even if you have enterprise versions, I would like that to be ballparked too. Yep. Like just give it an estimate. And then if you offer discounts for education, government or nonprofit, you should publish that on the page. You don't have to publish how much the discount is. You should publish that it has a discount because I'm willing to talk to you if I think you're going to give me a discount. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I work for a nonprofit right now. So like, it's very important to me. Um, But you know, and before that, like I started in IT and a higher ed. So like, these are the companies who need SaaS the most, right? They're Mm -hmm. lagging behind government, higher ed and nonprofits are lagging behind the rest of the world and the rest of the industries, right? For moving towards cloud. And maybe that's not true, you know, post pandemic, but are we post pandemic? I'm not sure. Um, Hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully we're getting there. Um, But yeah, but those three industries in particular tend to be, you know, very archaic. A lot of times they don't have their own IT. They have managed IT from Mm -hmm. a a multi MSP. I can't even say what that means right now, but. um, Managed service provider. Managed service provider. Thank you. I was going to say multi-service provider. And I was like, "Mm, that's not quite right. Um, but yeah, so most most of those kinds of organizations have MSPs or um, or otherwise relying on very low budgets, mm-hmm. um, sometimes incredibly low budgets. And there are a lot of applications out there that are willing to help and willing to accommodate that. But you have to make it easier for people to figure that out, right? I've talked to vendors who will not budge on their pricing because right. they're either like super young and they need every dollar they can get. Right. Or because they are so certain (laughs) that their product is going to give me so much return on investment that they're just not willing to budge, which by the way, no product ever (laughs) has given me so much return on investment that it made up for the fact that we were a nonprofit. (laughs) Never. (laughs) If your product costs more than Google. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There are, those, <laughs> there are those, those, those benchmark, benchmark prices that a, little, that a lot of us go by. Um, but yeah, yeah, if it is, it is very wise to have those prices available and, and being public mm-hmm. and open. Like I'm not going to go into a, you know, if I'm walking along and I, I look, I look at a nice restaurant and I see their menu and it's got a, a wonderful list of items, but there's no prices next to any of those, those Guess entrees and appetizers. I'm that's not going to go in dollar sign restaurant, Colin. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going in. It's the same way with, with how we, we view our SaaS application. So um, it's been great to chat with you again, Rose. I, I love these discussions. Yeah. I hope uh, I hope people learn from that, learn from from our experiences over a number of years for for choosing the right the right SaaS application for your business. And uh, we'll catch everybody again in the next episode of SaaS Showdown. Yes, the SaaS <laughs> Showdown. Produced by the Tab Geeks Network. Enjoy all of our shows on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash tabgeeks. Join our exclusive, free, no sponsors allowed Slack community and sign up for our newsletter at tabgeeks.com.